Welcome back, Rebels. I've got a top tip for you if you're getting attacked. Fuck, what? what? <laughs> if you're getting attacked, don't say, help me, help me, if you're in the street. You have to be really specific and you have to go, person over there with the blue shoes on, please help me. Because in group situations, people don't take that responsibility and you have to like directly target to someone for them to actually help you and to actually do something. That's super interesting. I feel like, well, that probably applies to so much so much marketing in terms of like, you can just shout out to the world, shout out to avoid. I've got this thing, I've got this thing. But if you're like, hey, you in the blue shoes, I've got this thing. That person's then going to turn around and notice and think, well, they've told, said it's for me. So they've probably created something here that is specifically for me, which means I might actually be more, more interested. 100%. And I just dropped that on you. And I'm really glad that you responded in that way. That is really great. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is if you are listening to this right now, whether you're wearing blue shoes or not, we are talking to you directly, the listeners of this podcast. Please, um, will you share this podcast in your stories on Instagram, tag us in and we will repost every single person that does that. We always do. And also, can you leave us an iTunes review or subscribe to us on Spotify? We're talking to you directly because if you do that, it will really help us. And if we've given you any value over these years, then um, we would really love it if you did that. Um, also, speaking of delivering value, we have our next access event coming up, don't we? We definitely do. So on the 8th of December, uh, we've got the second access event coming up. Uh, the last one was amazing. Like I had such a good time doing it. Uh, the format of it is we will do basically like a little intro, a bit like what we're doing now, uh, where we talk about a certain creative topic and then we do Q&A for the rest of it. So if you've got any questions around creativity, around running a creative business, get those questions ready because we'll be answering them on that, that evening. Yes, we'll be answering those questions on the 8th of December at 6pm. That's UK time. Um, and we had quite an international audience before. So um, yeah, so look up what UK time is for you. And 6pm, 8th of December. Um, if you go to creativerebels.co forward slash access, then you'll be able to sign up there and we will email you the Zoom link uh, on the evening. Uh, the last one was so cool, man. Like I just, I had so much fun. Like the community was so engaged. And like the one thing I worried about was like everyone interacting with each other. And they really did. Like, yeah. I think people met like useful contacts through it, which is like super cool. And it was just like, just fun, man. We had a really good time. Yeah. I think especially like in the current climate of the world, it's so important to start networking and start growing a community around you and start meeting other people. And I feel like those events are a great opportunity to meet like-minded creatives. So definitely like, yeah, come along to those. Yeah, as you said before, creativerebels.co forward slash access and we'll send you over a Zoom link on the day. Yes, we're talking to you right now, listening to this in your ears. Go and sign up for access. Um, so this week we are, like, this is a big interview, I think. Like what an inspirational, incredible person um, Holly Tucker is. And her main message really when you boil everything down is do what you love yeah and I think it is so important to do what you love and I think a lot of people listening to this show if not everyone would love to be doing what they love or they're already doing what they love and they just want to do more of that um and yeah this interview was it's so great to hear someone who's so passionate about like helping people on that way to doing what they love and it's like it's what we do every single week. It's what we're super passionate about. So as soon as you come across someone else with that exact same mindset, like this interview was just so like, we were just backwards and forwards. It was just like a really great, like 
passionate, creative chat. Yeah, she's a ball of energy, isn't she? I, th- I think the thing for me is like you you have to do what you love, um, but also you have to learn to love what you do. Yeah. Uh, which it kind of reminds me of what I was talking about in a recent intro where I was talking about like, I'm not like filled with adrenaline the whole time that I'm painting, but I've learned yeah. to love what I do, which includes like emailing clients and pitching and going to meetings and all all of the stuff that isn't the thing that you love um and like you can kind of wrap it all up in a ball and just and a lot of it comes down to gratitude of just waking up in the morning and just being like yes i've got to do x y and z all of these tasks that everyone who's a freelancer or creative has a small business like the things that you have to tick off your list but i am like I'm super happy. It's like I always say when I'm out in the cold and it's freezing and I can't feel my fingers anymore because I'm spraying in the in the like minus whatever temperatures. And I'm like, this is miserable. And it rains on you and you're just like, ah, this is horrible. You're just like so happy because you're like, yeah, this is this is like crap. But also this is what I love. I think it is so important to be grateful about what you do every day. It's like I was talking to one of my friends yesterday who um, was like, on a tv show a few years ago like she was really successful and i was like oh what you've been up to today like told her what i was doing and she was like oh i've and almost in a slightly negative way it was like oh i've just spent all day making christmas tiktoks and like a, oh i've just been doing this this is just part of my life and then i was like imagine if you'd have said that two years ago because it's like she was working in a school two years ago it was a completely different life Sometimes it's really worth just stepping back and like looking at where you are and then being really grateful for what you you are doing. And even if it is a seemingly tedious thing that you feel like, oh, I've got to do this. Just look at like, think about what else you could be doing, what kind of miserable job you could be in, what kind of unhappiness you could have. So it is really important to just, yeah, appreciate those, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, we're we're so lucky. And I know like so many people listening to this will will feel the same of like just getting to do weird shit and have that be your job. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like I was um, scrolling Instagram the other day and saw um, Alex Mayhew's former guest on the show, a sign painter, amazing sign painter. And she painted a sign that said bumhole. I was just like, just, just <laughs> so stupid. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so stupid. And like so many of us get paid to do these ridiculous things like imagine making christmas tiktoks and that's like part of your job we're very very lucky to do the uh, the stupid stuff that, that we get to do so engineer that fun into your life like engineer that that creativity into whatever it is that you like doing and then then you'll never have a boring day again yeah and i think even on those days that are boring when you are kind of going through your taxes like getting all those things sorted that are inevitable that you're gonna have to do if you're in some creative if you're in a creative business then it's like just stop yourself and be like look why am I doing this by doing this what is it going to allow me to do and I think it's that mindset that's really important is it's thinking like this thing that I'm doing now that isn't filling me with absolute joy is this allowing me to do something else that does fill me with joy and I think it's in those times that it's really important to be like yes I do love doing this thing that is boring because it's allowing me to do the thing that fills me with joy fills me with energy 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great facilitator. It's, we mentioned recently about like making sure that you have a survival job at the moment and that you're making sure that all of your, your bills and stuff are covered. It's like um, I was chatting to another former guest on, on the show, Dave Core, one of our early guests. I was chatting to him on the phone the other day and he was telling me about a friend of his who is a cellist, like an incredible musician who has performed with Bjork, who has had to retrain as an electrician. And... I was just like, fuck, like that is like, like, cause music obviously is so hard to make cash from music at the moment. Yeah. But I'm sure that he, even though he's like retraining, he's, he's finding a survival job. He's doing whatever it is that's going to keep a roof over his head at the moment. You know, he's not like, he's been playing the cello for the past 15 years. He's not going to quit. It's like, that's yeah. going to keep the roof over his head and he's going to do cello whenever he can and then eventually he's going to get back to it so see those those things the, the shit things that we've all got to do to survive that's your facilitator and it facilitates you doing what you love which is the most important thing and i mean holly had some like so just some incredible like li- honestly this episode i think it's going to be one that people come back to again and again because yeah because there's so many there's so many things in it particularly there's a part um, kind of right at the end within the last 10 minutes that is is so important and I think is going to be an, an unlock for a lot of people. But there's there's so many elements of this conversation that just really, really sum up of, of like, we haven't got long on this planet. What are we doing with our time? Like, how are we spending it? How are we, how do, are we finding our purpose? How are we helping other people along the along the way and getting paid for it and being successful? It's like... It, it's the the basically this episode just breaks down the secret to a happy life and it's fucking amazing and one thing that i really got out of this episode is just how much holly champions other creatives and she's even gone and started a, a new awards ceremony yes um and in fact listeners i'm talking to you again you can go to holly.co to vote on the nominees that are there. There's 120 different nominees on there and they are vast, vastly different. And uh, so, yeah, go and vote for your favourites and because uh, that will help. Like it will help the momentum. It will help the businesses that are involved yeah. there. So, yeah, by just kind of going and putting a vote on there, you can help fund someone else's creative passion just by clicking a button. Like it's that simple to be able to help someone else do something that could potentially change their lives. What a nice thing to do. So bloody lovely. So let's get into this episode. Holly Tucker is an entrepreneur, the founder of Not On The High Street and Holly & Co. And she's also the host of Conversations of Inspiration podcast. And she really is the voice of small businesses in the UK. Holly believes that marrying purpose with something that you love can create the perfect business and that the perfect business is one that both supports you and makes you happy. In this episode, we talk about being curious, doing what you love and being a leader. You can be a leader um, who is about being of service and have a profitable, successful business. Hi, Holly. Hi. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm good. Holly, have you calculated how many days you have left to live? Mm, yes, I have. I, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with efficiency, I have to say. Um, and that's probably because I'm always in a hurry. So I thought, well, I can get away with being in a hurry if um, I get the maximum amount of my time, you know, sort of really juice the lemon, so to speak. So I worked out on my 40th birthday, I had 29,000 days on this planet, which was good news. But then 
I quickly did the maths and I actually only had 14,000 days left. And I'm now 43 and I can't quite bring myself to work out what the new number is. <laughs> it's crazy when we look at it like that. How did that make a difference in how you then projected your life going forward? You know what? It, 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 was, uh, it was an absolute life changer for me in all seriousness. That was the moment where I said, right, let's be serious now, Holly. You know, every single day, every nine o'clock in the morning, every 11 p.m. is sacred. Um, and I know we always talk about it, don't we? We have that thing that, you know, you never get the day back or all this sort of thing. But actually, if you sort of really work it out and you have a, you know, almost like a virtual clock ticking down your life, yeah, it slightly does make the nightmare that is um, the shit hitting the fan on a daily basis. It slightly allows you um, to deal with it in a better way. Um, and being an entrepreneur, I'm always in a hurry. So it also gives you those moments where I wasn't very good at smelling the roses or really understanding the milestone moments that were going on. And actually, when you do have that virtual clock ticking down, it does make you realize, you know, this is a great moment, you know, that this is fantastic. I'm just going to reach out to someone and tell them, wow, I'm loving life right now. Yeah, we're exact exactly the same. I think there's been lots of points in our business where we probably should have taken a little bit longer to to celebrate those wins, but we don't. You just you, you just carry on moving because there's always there's always something next. There's always something more to do. And it makes me think of um I don't know if you've seen these, but they've they've uh the certain people have worked out like based on like how long people will live they've calculated like how many more times they're going to see their parents or grandparents because if you see oh, your parents that. once a month and yeah. they're going to live for this much longer than he he like worked out i've got like seven more times that i'm going to see my grandmother on average or something like that and it's like when you look at it like that it's absolutely isn't that, crazy I mean, isn't that powerful i have a, a friend who's an artist and he worked out how many uh, he's 50 and he said i'm probably going to um he was very funny about how his demise was going to take place um and so he sort of thought it was about 70 he worked out how many you know summers he had left you know that that yeah. was it you know he had 24 summers uh 24 sorry whatever the math says but he had x amount of summers left and um that he better make sure that he has the best time or a great adventure each summer and I thought, gosh, that was, you know, so yeah, I actually, that is a brilliant thing to do. It takes it to the next level, doesn't it? That reminds me of, um, I, I always remember it so vividly as well. I was probably about nine or 10 years old, being in an airport, like just coming home from holiday somewhere. And there was this clock and instead of it ticking, it was one of the ones that just slowly goes. So there's no tick to it, it just like slowly goes round. And but looking at that and thinking to myself, at nine or 10 years old, I'm watching my life drain away. And that was a really morbid wow. thing to think. And I've always Gosh. hated those clocks since. But now I almost think from having this conversation. He's really fun at parties. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this conversation started with how many days we've got left to live. But now I'm kind of thinking like it would almost be great to have one of those again. Because every time I'm sat there looking at it, I should be back at work doing what I need to do to like just be happy and not waste my time looking at this clock. But I think that's exactly what you just said. You know, you just said I need to be back at work doing what makes me happy. And I suppose that's the point for me and my sort of existence, I suppose, and why I calculated that time, because I've got a job to do, but a job that involves every single cell in my body, 
every single waking moment because it is my full life that I'm having right now. And actually that is why time is such a commodity and so important to me because I want to get back to work, like you said. And I think for us creatives and those who live a creatively fulfilled life or life, you know, doing what they love, it's why I, I, I try and now help people do exactly that, because I know that there is this clock ticking and lots of people just wander around their life having no concept of that. And so that's where you just do want to sort of shock them in a way. And then suddenly once you someone said this, you know, once you know something, you can never unknow it, even yeah. if it's shit information. Do you know? So actually telling people this information, you can't unknow that then. Um, and I think it can have this powerful effect. That's so important. I think what I talk about a lot is there's so many people who live for the four weeks of holiday they get every year. And mm. then we were talking yesterday, me and David, about how people just live for their retirement. And it's almost like they're wasting the time they've got currently to have a few good bits of time in the future. Whereas I get up every day and I look forward to the day ahead. It's like people hate Monday mornings. I wake up on Monday feeling like, fucking great. I can get back to doing the thing that I love doing. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what is this concept of retirement now? I mean, in, in this day and age, if you're, if you're running your own business or unless you're going to be selling it and having those unicorn moments and buying an island or whatever it is, you know, this really is a way of life, isn't it? You're finding yourself. And, um, and I don't believe in the concept of retirement in any way. Why would you let your mind rot? Why would you go and, you know, for lots of men, it's about playing golf for God's sake still. And, you know, um, and becoming more and more isolated. Um, and I just feel that that is, that is the wrong way to live. Because if you build a life doing what you love, wouldn't you do it right up walking up to your coffin? I mean, you know, wouldn't you even be trying to redesign? I, I always laugh. I'm going to be redesigning my people are going to think I'm dead and then I'm going to wake up and go, you know what? Someone needs to tackle the death industry because this coffin is just so boring Like we could have done <laughs> yeah. some, a much better job with this, you know, and I hope someone gets an artist to decorate my coffin and all these sorts of things. But that should be we should be walking up to that moment in our lives. Um, having had the most phenomenal adventure that never stopped. And, and and it's such a pity. And I think that will die out. I think with Generation Alpha and everything that's happening, that's going to literally die out, that concept of retiring. Yeah, Adam and I were on a podcast this, uh, we're being interviewed for another podcast this morning and we were being asked about work-life balance. And really, I don't, I, I mean, my work is my life and it's the, the thing that gets me out of bed, the thing that drives me. And when we've had on this show people like Liz Earle or Mike Winnett and, and probably yourself who have been in the position where they could quote unquote retire and th it's not a question for them because the the work is the fun thing. Like they're like, right, let, like that's, that's the end of this chapter, but let me get back to the work yeah. and let me do something else and like let me help other people in other ways. Interesting you call it chapter. I, I think of my life as a book. And I've had quite a few chapters. I obviously, um, you know, built Not on the High Street. That was a phenomenal chapter of my life. And now I've, um, you know, nothing gets erased when you turn the pages. You know, it's just part, you know, I can flip back whenever I want to. But I've turned the page into the next chapter building, Holly and & Co. Um, and, you know, this thing, this idea that money plays any part 
of this journey is ridiculous because um firstly you know doing it again i believe you me you know it, it's really doing it again it's you know down to the baked beans again and all this sort of stuff because but this is why you live this is why you're put on this planet you know true aren't you can't take it out of my body you can't take it out of my soul um and what I just need to do is make sure I do a good job so I can make a living and help others make a living. Um, but that is the, the essence of why I'm excited about looking at the future workforce. You know, if you think in June, more people started a business than ever before. And, and that is what I'm trying to capture with my new business, Holly & Co, is that essence of building a business, doing what you love. Because actually it's not, not got, it's got a lot to do with business, but it's mostly to do with how you're spending those, tw those 14,000, 10,000 days left. Because what I've seen through my journey is the transformation in a human being when they find out who they are and then each year keep discovering it. You know, in Japan, they think that they're the white, do you know what I mean? They, they realize that they become more themselves every year that goes on. So they realize that they're not the wisest at 40 having careers. You know, they, they keep digging into their soul and becoming almost like a, you know, literally shedding skin to become more and more crazily beautiful. And hence again, why I don't believe in retirement. Why would you spend an entire life in advertising as a copywriter with all that experience to then go and rot on a golf course? You know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. What would you say to someone who's still like earlier on in that journey? And if you said to them they could retire tomorrow and wouldn't really know what to do with themselves, how would you help someone find that thing that is their thing? Because I think there's lots of people in the corporate world who, if you said to them, like, you can go and start a business tomorrow and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't really like anything that much. Yeah, well, you know what? That's a problem in our day and age, isn't it? We spend so long when we're on that tube in the morning, getting our three fixes of coffee every day back into the job that we don't like, um, you know, chasing the money, chasing the shots of tequila on a Friday night, uh, the hangover Saturday. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the groundhog day. And actually what you miss is that childlike state of who you are. What do you like? You know, you know, David, I'm looking at all your pink panthers behind you. You know, that is you. That is your that's your quirks. It's what you love. And so many people are sort of um, in this tunnel vision of not even being curious anymore. They're, they're numbed. They're dull. They're grey. And so for me, when I speak to people and gosh, I speak to so many. I mean, this is my pastime. You know, I don't have yoga. I don't have anything. My thing is people stop me on the street. I've been in Africa in the back of beyond and someone came up to me and she wanted to start a business. And there I was with turtles all running around me. <laughs> and I was like, right. Now, the thing is, we've got to get down to your passion. You know, um, that it is everything I do. And my thing is about finding passion. It is finding what makes you vibrate inside. It's about really, under, and if you don't have that, that's not normal. There are, you should be curious. So my first thing is like, if you don't have that feeling about anything, it can be nuts. You know, this is what I do. I call it a passion list. Write down everything from feelings to people, to industries, to brands, to books. Get it onto paper. Start to understand what makes me up. You know, what are we? One in 400 trillion chances of being born. 
This is not a mistake. It's a miracle. So what is it that makes you alive? And actually, if you don't have those things there, it can be a bit of a process. So it could take some time. Go out and throw yourself out there. If you've got a friend going to an art gallery, if you've got to say, can I come with you? You know, can I start to experience things? And for sure, every single person has that passion. They have the thing that interests them. It, they really, really do. Um, so I, I, that is what I would recommend for people to look at. Um, and then once you get to those passions, start to create common denominators. You know, the, the sort of things that are, you know, for me, it was people. It was the underdog. It was the um, why I would cry at certain movies. You know, it was my heart and looking to help people transform people and and creativity and small businesses and uniqueness and great less ordinary products and do you know what I mean and that started to form who I am um so I I I really recommend it for people that's so refreshing to hear and and I think currently at the moment there's a real uh there's a real problem with and especially I'm seeing on like YouTube ads of of like entrepreneurs that come forward and rather than recommending what you just said there which is absolutely beautiful of like finding what sets you on fire they will say find a product that you can buy cheap and sell high and i I think that it works because people don't know themselves and what you're suggesting there is is just get to know yourself as a person and then you'll be able to find that thing Absolutely. I mean, what a load of bullshit that is. Do you know what I mean? That, that's it really going to, upsets me. But, uh, <laughs> it, well, that's only going to last. You know, I've seen Not On The High Street has 250,000 products, um, 5,000 small businesses. Not one of those people, um, no one that I mentor here at Holly & Co., not one of them have looked at a gap in the market, seen a product that you can buy from China, let's just say, and um, and sell it and then create a lifetime brand. No, no, zero, absolutely zero. What they do have is a quick win. They have a quick win. It floods them with this sense of confidence. It floods them. It's all fake, but they, it floods them that I'm now can call myself an entrepreneur. Um, look at this. If I then take this each year, I'm going to make God knows how much. And I'm, I'm like, I just watch the car crash happening because it never sticks. The thing that sticks is when you are curious about who you are and something genius comes out of you. Uh, I call it the diamond from within. You know, it's normally pretty dull. It normally, I think you have to dig 500 miles to find diamond rocks and whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like the same uh, analogy. You've got to dig deep. You've got to chip away. You've got to shine it over the years and then it will sparkle and never do quick wins work. Never is an entrepreneur an overnight success, ever. Like, you know, I've spoken to 100 you know, beautiful entrepreneurs and brilliant people who created amazing brands. Zero has been the number of people who created a brand overnight. And I think as well, like, because passion is so important in what you're doing, if you're going to go for those quick wins, it's like no one gives a shit about selling some cheap product from China for a little bit more. That's like, if you're going to do that, then you might as well go and get a job doing anything because you don't have the stresses of actually running a business but you can get the same, like you're going to do the same thing. So I think that's another thing people don't realize as an entrepreneur, there are so many stresses that, because you have to put your whole self into it. And it's like you're putting your whole self on the line with that business. So unless you actually care about what you are going to do, 
then, and the reason they'll probably fall apart is because as soon as the money doesn't come in like they were promised would happen in overnight or in a week or whatever, then they quit because they're like, well, I didn't care about this in the first place. But it's like being an athlete. Do you know what I mean? They've not worked the muscle. You know, the, the, the best entrepreneurs, those have, they've worked every muscle and then some. They've been that um, that person who has had ligament tears. They've broken bones. They've got up. They've kept running. They've trained at two o'clock in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've got shivers even saying that to you. That is the true journey. It is not glamorous. It takes everything of, of yourself, your being, um, your soul. But it takes Every hour, sheer hard work. I, I say to people, you know, if you're not prepared to work the hardest you've ever worked, then don't bother starting a business. I want to say to them, it's okay. You can have work-life balance. Yeah, of course you can't. Unless you're willing to give it everything. Um, and that is 11 o'clock at night doing an email. And that's five o'clock in the morning getting up. And it's Saturdays and Sundays. But that's the truth. And I want to stop giving this crap that comes out that, you know, you can have work-life balance and, you know, it, it, it goes according to plan. Nothing goes according to plan. That's actually quite the romance of all of this. It is a sheer roller coaster every single day. Um, and so it doesn't work for those who are the quick wins. It just doesn't work because the second there are issues, they fall apart. You know, they can't get through COVID. They can't get through a recession. They can't get through an employee leaving them, you know, in the middle of the uh, middle of the busiest period of time. They, they've not worked those muscles. And those who are successful have been those athletes. They've done the miles and they're now winning the marathon. Yeah. Adam and I always say that if we write a book, it will be the worst seller of all time because the titles that sell are the 60 second millionaire and the four hour work week. And our book would be titled the the 10 year grind and you might not even get anything from that. So. <laughs> That's a catchy title there. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's going to do well. Uh, Waterstones, if you're listening, let's get it, let's get it on the go. But, um, but yeah, so I, so you mentioned in, in June, there's been this, this like huge um, burst of all these new businesses that, that are being invented, I guess, when people had a bit of time on their hands to actually think about what they what they enjoy. Um, and I feel like for a long time, certainly when we started our business 10 years ago, it, there were, it, it didn't really seem like there were many people doing it. Um, but I feel like we're gradually getting over the stage of where people are starting to feel like, actually, maybe this is a possibility. Maybe this is something that I can do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, when I think you know, 2005 is when the concept of Norton High Street came about. This was, you know, it's, I, I think I, re I remember opening my first iPhone. Do you know what I mean? And 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 the dial-up modem wasn't really laughable. Like, still, your parents had the dial-up modem, and yeah. you know, it. That was the age that we were in. Um, and you know, we went for um, to try and help an, a bank manager understand what the word entrepreneur. He'd never heard the word entrepreneur before. You know, I mean, I can't even understand this concept now. He hadn't understood what a marketplace was. Um, it, those words didn't exist in their vocabulary. I remember the first time I, I, I got featured um, in the press, it was there was a, an article in the Financial Times and they called me the spray can entrepreneur. And I had to Google entrepreneur because I wasn't completely sure what it meant. 
Absolutely. You see, things have changed, though. That's the thing. The landscape is from where we were one of like a handful of female entrepreneurs back in 2005. Um, you know, you didn't give money out to us. Um, you didn't that there wasn't such thing as Squarespace, social media, Instagram. There was nothing. Now, look at the landscape, how it has changed. You can build a website in 72 hours. You can launch your business on Instagram. It's probably the quickest and uh, strongest way to do things. You can go for seed. You can go and raise crowdfunding. You can, do you know what I mean? It is like, if you're not sort of thinking of running a business slightly, that's sort of the odd thing now, you know, it's completely changed. Um, so now we have a landscape that is rich um, to grow entrepreneurs, you know, rich to bring up startups. What will be interesting, though, is because always the stronger ones survive. Now what it now you've all got the tools because we had the mover advantage. You know, we went through the literal hell and back multiple times um, and we stuck with it. So we we got there in front of people. Now what it's going to be interesting is so if it's if we can all get the same tools, what will survive? And that's what I'm fascinated with and and why I'm championing almost a new way of considering small businesses. You know, to start with, I think like the the vocabulary has to change. The, you know, what is the word entrepreneur? My God, have we only got a few SMEs? You know, why do we call them SMEs? I mean, no one has looked at this entire area and which is, by the way, our future. You know, we're all going to work in some way as our own brand and started going into education, mixing it up, started teaching the young started dealing with women and why they're not actually running businesses, started to use less in language that creates the imposter syndrome in all of us. It's because great men who've run everything has made it a black art or has tried to make it a black art. And I'm here to take the bullshit out of business and actually say, you know, if you're a creative, number one, you have now got the tool where it's not just creatives or you know, um, you know, they're so right side of the brain, you know, they're going to need to be leveled out with someone who really knows how to do business. I mean, bollocks, you know, because actually there's all the tools that you can surround yourself as a creative. It's like, guess what? We're in the age where people understand that you've got the golden gem, you know, the, 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 the creative spark and seed to which, you know, acorns and oak trees, you know, that, that grow, that grow, that is the commodity you want now. Um, and so it's really exciting to start to take off the shackles off people and put myself out there vulnerably and say, we've got to change things. We've got to harvest this new generation of small businesses. Obviously, you had the advantage of being uh, an early mover. But at the same time, if someone has, because you, you will have come across this, if someone has a, a quote unquote crazy idea, um, because there's not another version of it, how do you get people to believe in that vision? Especially so, I mean, especially in 2005, I'm, I'm being like one of the very few female entrepreneurs, as you mentioned. How do you get people to, to cause I, cause like looking at your Instagram, especially what you've done since the pandemic, it's like you have the ability to create movements and get people involved and get them galvanized behind an idea. How do you do that? In 2005, I cannot even describe, it would be hours long to even understand what we had to go through to 
uh, you know, we ran out of money. We had to no no banks would give loans. You know, I tried to give my bank manager half my shares just to give me twenty thousand pounds. Uh, he will regret that probably for the rest of his life. But um, you know, if, if I go back to those days, um, trying to sell them that we weren't running a crafts business um, and that we were putting it online for, you know, crafty people just, uh, you know, and two blonde haired women running a bit of a shopping site with our children at home, which was basically what it was. You know, that was what we went through. And I cannot even describe the pain. And I would say, and still to this day would say, my passion You know, John Hegarty said to me that, you know, enthusiasm, it comes from, you know, a Latin word to mean with God. It's to be enthused, to be passionate. You've got to be visionary. You've got to sell the vision. And you're so in the vision. You know, I sometimes ask what year it is. You know, you're so in the vision that if you can storytell, and you can put across in an empathetic way. So I'm not talking about elevator pitches and ramming it down people's throat. I'm talking about understanding human beings, who you're talking to, reading that person, and then telling them the specific story that they can hear that will actually work for them. And so I like to think one of my superpowers is reading people. I love human beings. I love every single person and every quirk and every annoyance as well. But once you look at that wonderful individual and you then start to play your story in a way, a frequency that they can hear, then you start to make movements. If you just keep telling the same story in the same way um, and not look at your audience, you're not going to get far. And I think that that has been my superpower in a way from that day where I said, listen, I'm telling you now, this is the undercurrent. If there are women like me, and by the way, we spend all the money in the household, there's going to be other women who want to buy from small businesses. Um, and there's, you know, where if there's only high street department stores right doing this at the moment, Amazon at the time sold books. That's all they sold. You know, Etsy hadn't been created yet. Um, eBay still had a pair of socks from Yunnan that you got. And the title was one, two, three, four socks. You know, this is what we were talking about. So I said, come on, there must be a different way. And now with also Holly and Co, what you saw when the pandemic hit, I, I in 48 hours, I'd never done an Instagram video in my life. And I thought, you know what? They need me. People need me. So you put all your fears and vulnerabilities aside. And I went out there, created something called SMESOS in 48 hours. We branded it up and we got out there. And I did a live every single day. Um, we did a separate podcast every uh, every week. We did interviews with experts. We demystified the news. And it's when you feel, I suppose, that you're of service. Do you know what I mean? You can put all your ego, your vulnerabilities. God, I look like shit today. You know, everything aside. And you get out there to be of service. And I think that those are the two things for me that have made all of this possible. So one thing that I love about what you've done, in I've kind of made my own Holly Tucker quote here, just from like one of your stories. It's like, uh, if you want the best stool, build the market. Yeah. Like, do you want to, do you want to explain that? So how interesting you did that. No one's ever done that. And that's so, um, that's, I'm so humbled by that. Um, when I started, um, I created a, 
I, I went through a very difficult time in my life. I um, was um, divorced at the age of 22. Um, and I also discovered I had a brain tumour and basically my life had crumbled. I'd started work, by the way, in advertising at 17, full time. I went to the University of Life um, and not um, where, I was, where I was going to go and do art um, at uni. And so I really had lived quite a bit of a life already by the age of 22. And as my life fell apart and literally I fell apart, I started to become creative again. And that was a healing process. And I, I, I built a, a vegetable wreath and thought I was going to have a empire in wreath creations. I wish my story was sexier. And then I wanted to sell the wreath and I realized that there was no markets um, in my local area. So I thought, well, I'll create the first um, Chiswick Christmas Fair to sell my wreaths and then I'm going to, you know, make this amazing, um, you know, gazillion pounds in my wreath industry. Um, and actually there was no market. So I thought, well, how hard will it be to put on the first Chiswick Christmas Fair and then I'll get the best trestle table. And that's what I did. A hundred stalls later, the biggest fair in Chiswick. And obviously being Holly, sort of, I'm quite enthused um, as a person. Well, I had advertising in the local papers. I had Father Christmases walking up and down the high street. I, you know, made, I had choirs. I had hot chocolate stands. I it, Like the whole thing went on. And this was back in 2002. And actually, I suppose that's what I've done every single time. Uh, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have anywhere to sell my wreaths and knew that there should be a Christmas fair. So I built the Christmas fair and sold my wreaths. I didn't have I saw from that experience that um, I didn't have anywhere to sell online in a way that felt like a fair, felt like it was curated. So built not on the high street. And then uh, from that experience, I realized that as a small business and having this wonderful bird's eye view of 5000 businesses for over uh, you know, 13 years, which is like a PhD beyond in small business journeys, um, I realized that there was nothing else except utilitarian platforms for small businesses to exist in. There wasn't an ether, you know, a bubble for them to be part of. And so that's why I said, right, well, there's no podcast dedicated to them. There's no events dedicated to them. There's no uh, uh, a cheerleader dedicated to them. Um, let's build it all. And that is, and that's what I've done for the last five years. I've built a new colourful landscape for small businesses. And like, there's so much to take from that. But I think one of my favourite parts of it is for the fact you decided to make some wreaths. None of this would have happened yeah, if you hadn't have just started doing something. And I think that's what's important is the fact that just, it doesn't matter how simple or silly it seems, just by starting something, you don't know where that's going to lead. And I think you're the perfect example of that. It's like you made some wreaths and then you've changed the whole industry because of that. Yeah, I th thank you for recognizing that because it, it, I do say it's the unsexy start of this um, whole thing. But actually, in all seriousness, it's the start. Um, again, John Hegarty, do interesting things and interesting things will happen to you. Um, you know, and that is why we've got to do some soul searching. Um, why I, I made wreaths out of chilies and tangerines and artichokes. Do you know what I mean? Like the vegetable guy thought I was nuts every week going there. And, you know, and it was, and my hands would bleed at night for making these bloody wreaths. And the one bedroom flat I was in was like some crazy uh, wreath making factory. <laughs> um, that was my start though. Do you know what I mean? That was my start. And as you said, 
And that kicked off something else, which kicked off something else, which made me interested in a community, which made me part of a community and has led now to the fact that I've definitely decided that I'll retire at 90 and I'm here for the long run. I am, you know, that I think at 90, potentially I just want to drink, you know, some great wine and wear lots of jewellery and eccentric glasses and, you know, do the iris um, at full thing. But up until that point, and that makes me excited because I'm 43. I've got ages. I've got the majority you're not, you're of my life. You're not halfway there in, yet. Yeah. I know. I've not even started in a way. So, you know, that's again how we've got to look at things, isn't it? God willing, by the way. But that's how we've got to look at things. You mentioned that there there was no cheerleader and you've become that cheerleader and, and very recently sort of stepped forward into that role. When you go to click uh, record on your first ever Instagram live, like how how has that been? Were you because I'm guessing there were probably some nerves around finally coming forward and becoming the face of the brand. Um, how has that been? Is it is it like easier than you imagined? Because most people are worried about becoming the face of their brand. I think that I, I was so nervous to begin with. And I look back and, you know, uh, the imposter syndrome is right there sitting on my shoulder. And, you know, uh, what really do I know? And Oh, you built not on the high street. What would you now know about being on the on the floor, you know, or on the shop floor? You don't know this. And I think that it has taken time. I've never lied or I've never um, pulled the wool over anyone's eyes in small businesses, not on the high street or now. I think potentially I was lucky and I didn't maybe realise that I'd had 15 years being with this community already, that maybe they knew who I was and I was worried that then maybe they didn't. Um, they took me in and they were the wind beneath my wings. They knew I was nervous. I would fuck up right in front of them. And then they 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 said, you know what, I love that you do that in front of us, because that means that I'm, you know, they related to me. And this is, again, why warts and all, I feel that our future is going to be led by people, founders, uh, founders of brands stepping forward, because I think now we believe in people and not brands, in a sense. Um, and I have found myself going on a bit of a you know the you know wanky word journey but really i have since march where someone yesterday said i feel like you found yourself even more now and i have and i i really have and again it was that doing interesting things stepping out of my comfort zone you know i definitely didn't need to do i not definitely didn't need to do it but i could have just not done that um but it has been transformational in holly and co it's going to be completely my future. And again, it goes back to what we were just saying. You know, if you do not scare yourself half to death quite often, you know, then you are not pushing you, you or your brand forward enough. You know, it's, it's that thing where um, yesterday I was talking to someone, I was giving some advice and I was mentoring them. And I said, you know, sometimes you just need to rip it all up. You get a feeling as a creative, don't you? I've done this. I've been here okay, we've done, you know, it's it's now set in stone. The second that sort of happens, you've got to go, mm -mm, we don't set in stone here. We evolve, we move forward. And everyone around you who might be more left side of the brain goes, yeah, this is great. We're set in stone. We've got a great Excel spreadsheet. We have a wonderful organization chart. 
And I'm like, yeah, but that's where it starts to go a little bit wrong. I'm not talking about being disorganized. I'm just talking about that's where it starts to go wrong. Fine to have fundamental building blocks, scaffolding, I call it, you know, really strong roots. But actually what you need to do is have that courage to say, right, we're going to try something we've never tried before. Um, Sounds nuts, but, um, you know, and we might mess up. But believe me for now, until we do mess up. And if we do, something will come out of this that's brilliant. I don't know what, but something. And we'll build off that. So it it really strikes me that, like, being of service is like at the core of what you do is helping people. How do you balance that with the the running of a business and needing to generate revenue and survive? Interesting question because normally you'd say, don't you, in the in the classic rule book of business, yeah, you know, when we turn to page 56, it says that doesn't happen. And that is where again I'm trying to say actually it can happen. It does happen. Um, you know, that you can be a leader um, who is about being of service and have a profitable, successful business. Um, we're, you know, we're just about to, fingers crossed, get our B Corp certification. It's taken one year to try and uh, go for it and, and fill in all the forms. And it's unbelievable to, to do it. Um we're going to become a B Corp. We are um, we are of service and, um, you know, fingers crossed next year. It, well, we would have been this year. It will be profitable. And that is because, you know, we um, work with wonderful brands and not tactically, not just filling the gap where we have a thing called sponsors. You know, we actually go to those marketing departments and leaders uh, directly and we talk the vision through and it goes back to that thing again i look at the audience they see the energy they see what we're trying to do they i picture you know i give them the picture of the next 10 years and say well well, how come we wouldn't work together doing this and then from there we've been able to build support for building this business and every time we get stronger it's great for their brands and it's great for our brand and as we move and and then we move forward and it's been um fantastic and certainly what's been phenomenal um today we launch um the first independent awards um each each year i do something called campaign shop independent it's my fourth year doing it um and i realized there's no awards that celebrate small businesses in a national big exciting colorful way like there is corporate brands who put on really lovely gala nights do you know what i mean and 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 we do that sort of thing you know woman of the year and you know blah 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 but actually like really from the creative point of view and not creative awards because i know that that's good but really small businesses you know uh if if jamie oliver was going to do the food awards do you know what i mean just from him and his his circle of people that he respects and loves pulling together awards. And so today we launched these awards and and it's about celebrating small businesses. And, um, you know, that that's that is going to be an amazing thing because these brands have been able to get behind it. We pull together the biggest prize pot ever for small businesses. Seventy thousand pounds will be split between seven businesses. You know, and in a time like this, 10 grand is a life changer. You know, and so I do think you can work with bigger businesses. I do think as a small company, as an entrepreneur, you can have an authentic 
relationship with people. And I do think things are changing. It's just the way that you read your audience and sell and sell yourself in the vision. And how do you make sure you stay authentic? You've got to have a lot of no people around you. Uh, you've got to have a lot of people who I'm lucky I'm 43. I'm not 28. Like when I started knots, do you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 I, I now know um, not to believe my own bullshit and the ego starts to decline and you start to know yourself more and more. You have a lot of war scars. You've been through hell and back. You've had a nervous breakdown or two and, you know, those sorts of things. And and I think that that is why um, you, you know to stay authentic because you have people that you've now surrounded, hopefully, by the way, this is the right way to go around, you know, because a lot of people surround themselves with a lot of yes people. And we see those people on TV and we see their facade and we all know it's a bit of bull, don't we? We can all read it. We already know it's not really them. When they go home, they don't dream about it, wake up thinking about it. And so I think that the the key is to have really nice people, by the way, but the people who are your critics. Um, there, And also for you to become humble as you go on. You know, I've been called Holly Hurricane and potentially I needed that ego to be pumping it all rates while I built not on high street because you're lonely at the top if you don't believe what you're doing you can't build it but I think now I've become a more empathetic version of myself where I'm listening more you know I I am definitely listening more and I am giving people permission without taking it personally to tell me that that's not a great idea or to challenge it I welcome challenging um, and so that's how you keep authentic, to not have yes people surrounding and blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think we've definitely found it in business. Like we're always like brutally honest to each other. If I send something to David, he'll just send it back that shit rather than like try and fluff around. It's just be as honest <laughs> as possible because that's going to get you yeah. the best best response. Yeah. Yeah. I still think you can be kind. I do think people yeah. can be honest do you know what I mean? Like feedback, you can be an absolute, you know, uh, you know, the F word there can be in feedback. But I also do think you can, you know, you can empower people. It's really hard to tell people some, it's really hard for people to give negative criticism, but you can train people to do that in a way yeah. that you can listen to it. I think it's important as well to understand who you're talking to, because like David can say to me that shit, and he knows that I'm not going to get upset by it. But if he said that to someone yeah. else, he wouldn't frame it in the same way. So I think that's really yeah, important. Absolutely. And I think understanding who you're working with is a really, really important thing. And I know that when you started not on High Street, you and your business partner did a questionnaire to find out about each other. What kind of questions were on that? Uh, what's your worst trait? How do you take criticism? Uh, what does your husband say about you? Like, but really? You know, so what are those worst things? You know, you always blah, 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 blah. And you had to fill in the blanks. And so you never tell anyone that, <laughs> you know, because that's like the real you, you know, that's the you that no one else should know. Um, but we did that. What salary do you want to earn in the future? What happens um, if you've got a problem personally? How, um, you know, how successful do you want to be? um what happens if the worst happens all those sorts of questions 
And now I, I, I similarly with Holly and Co, we haven't asked ourselves, I've got two co-founders, my sister and my sort of adopted sister in a sense, you know, my other founder, Gabby and Carrie. Um, we don't do the questionnaire, but we have all gone through personality testing. So for me, everyone that joins Holly and Co now as part of quite a rigorous interview process, there is personality testing. So now what I try and do is not only look at the org chart and the organization, but I now map all personalities and um, and then we'll work on, you know, is the pendulum swinging too far in one direction? Um, how is that or how is that group of people actually going to work together? Because there is way too much sunshine going on that group and they need to be organized, you know. So how are we going to balance it out? And I think that from maybe 2005, where we just asked basic questions, not basic, like because we were going to be founders together. Now we've actually moved it on in 2020 to actually really looking at stresses and strains rather than just thinking you're being honest, actually it being read for you. Um, and that's quite a, um, an eye opener. And that comes back to knowing yourself again. Absolutely. And being okay with that. You know, it's like some people in the team, now we've got like, you know, you're too green, you're too yellow, and we have all this sort of lingo going on. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You need that. You know, my sister- You're making me feel very red. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yes, and my son's just done it, who's loads of red, and I've got red in me as well. And I'm like, you're just being red to me right now. And he's like, <laughs> stop using your colours. Um, but, you know, my sister, my sister is pure green. And she's just like, and she's like that sort of wonderful, a very dry humour. And she's like, you know, um, I just want a bit of colour in me, just not all green. I'm not that peaceful, you know, Holly. I'm not that... And it's lovely because guess what? You're starting to know individuals, but really who they are, not just their work character, their entire character. So that then allows you to start to, you know, really help join people in missions in um, and, and, and it's it's smart stuff. And I really recommend it um, to everybody to do that. Do it on yourself first so you know who you are, what you're dealing with. You know, that's why I hate finance, because I've got, you know, no blue in me whatsoever. I can't stand the detail, but that's OK. So now you can level yourself up, can't you? Because now you know that information um, rather than burying your head in the sand and always making a loss. It's probably because you just can't do the detail. But what you can do is the vision. And it's it's really empowering. Because you've had experience with so many small businesses now what are the like what are the traits that that you you consistently see in the successful ones loyalty loyalty to That's their vision and to themselves and to the brand that they're creating i i you know in the, in the day where i was surrounded potentially with um gray haired suits um and you know that's nothing derogatory i'm just saying that's my sort of my my bubble that i was in um you know they they didn't like it when i spoke about this maternal instinct i had to the business that i had harry my son three months by the way before i started not on high street i don't recommend that to anybody <laughs> um but i also had my second business baby which was not in the high street i knew every hair on its head i knew when it would cry 
I knew its heartbeat. I knew what would make it happy before it even was happy. And it, I knew what would damage it before again. And what sort of, what nutrition, what employees it needed, what all these sorts of things. And I was always, you know, it always freaked them out if I spoke like that. So I stopped. And now I'm back to speaking like that because when I see the best founders, it's when it is their business child. It's when they treat it that way. It's 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 having the empathy to your business as you would a human. It's that insight, that vision. It knows where they're going to go. You know, I have big dreams for my son. I think he's exceptional. Um, and I know every mother says that, but I, I see something in him. Um, and that's my instinct for him. And I, I sort of, it will play out to be true. That's what you've got to have as a brand. You know, it's heartbeat, you know, everything about it. And that is what I think is the one thing. And again, that goes back to knowing yourself, understanding the purpose of what you're building beyond your ego, beyond the bottom line, beyond everything, the legacy factor of your business, because guess what? That is the thing that keeps you out of bed, gets you out of bed when you're having the most terrible time. When you're at the bottom of that roller coaster, the purpose beyond your bank balance, your anything, what you're going to say today, the fact you're of service, you're making a difference is why it's so fundamentally important to have that in your organization, because then the mother lion can believe in her child. She's so fiercely proud and roars and tells everyone about it. That is what makes success. I think what I love about that kind of child metaphor there is it kind of just reminds me about kind of reinvesting in your business and how important it is to kind of not take money out of it too soon and really reinvest and kind mm. of grow that business. Because it's like, if you've got a child, you've not got it out on the street busking, you've got it kind of protected and you're kind of like constantly looking after yeah. it. And then it will get to a stage eventually where it kind of leaves the nest. And that's almost when it can it look does. after itself. And I think it does take a lot of, reinvesting and because I think it is really hard when you first start because there is so little money to not feel like oh, I might just take a bit out now because I just want a bit of a nice thing whereas actually by putting that back into the company it's like I was thinking earlier this morning just about what I spend money on and very very little of it is stuff that isn't some form of investment back in a business like if yeah. I buy some kind yeah. of like a new camera or something that's always going to lead to something that could be a business better pictures and better video and better yeah exactly, exactly. it is that is it, it that is exactly it and there's a balance isn't there you've got to you know i talk about the naught years like you take nothing how long can that last for first yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. to do it because just like you would um do you know what i mean think of your child do you know what i mean you would absolutely give it everything so the naught years is that a month a week, a year, what is it? How can you give it as much of a leg up as possible before you start draining it? The other thing is, I always say that lots of small businesses and people building never look at the future. They go, right, this year or next year. They don't go, right, in 20 years time, if I want to be doing this for a lifetime, what do I want to be earning there? And then very, because I love efficiency, just work backwards and work backwards and only take out what is necessary to take out. Now and again, by the way, I think it's important to treat yourself 
and probably that will be something to do with the business. Is it a new um, decoration for your office or whatever? Because probably you're going to do an Instagram live with it in your background anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it? And I think that's really important for us to have those little moments because it is tough work. But to just take out what you need for as long as you can, because that, as you said, you, you've got to pay for um, so much as from a child's point of view. As you said, you don't get them working at the age of five. And always look at your business against a child. You know, not on the high street. It's 15 years old. It's the same age as my son. What am I expecting out of it? Holly & Co is five. I can barely walk. Well, I can walk, but I definitely can't do the months of the year yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to look at it the same way. Because if you want to have this brilliant relationship when they're 25 years old, you know, then, then bring them up properly. Then create the strongest foundation. Give them all the opportunities. And that probably means you've got to keep reinvesting in. Um, and But, you know, it, it's a tough one to work out. It's It's different for every single person listening. You know, it's you, it's your own plan. Always remember that. Don't compare it. Just your plan. What's going to work for you? Because you're you're unique as a fingerprint when you build a small business. We have Christmas coming up, and I think that we've got a bit of a problem. I don't know if you'd agree with this. I think it's trendy and cool to say shop small, support local, and all of those type of things that that make great motivational Instagram posts. But then when it comes to the crunch people aren't actually doing it. How do we get the actual sales? How do we get people to actually start shopping small? I agree. And also slightly would say that I've got evidence to think that people are shopping small right now. So, you know, um, anecdotally, a lot of businesses I know have had two or three Christmases already before Christmas has hit, right? So number one, I do believe people are doing this. You're right, though. Is this sustainable? Will that will that consumer come back to them? Are small businesses going to build a eco structure around the sales right now, believing that this will continue? And I would be very cautious to anyone building their future or risking the house based on the numbers that they've got now. I think that we're going to. I've created a really un cool hashtag the biggest small business christmas ever i mean how long and uncatchy is that um, <laughs> but i think that that's what's going to happen right we're going to have this moment in time why i'm worried is and what i would um, recommend and advise is people say this is a once in a lifetime moment i better get an understanding of how to mine my data. I better get an understanding of the fact that I'm getting more customers now than I will ever, ever have. So how am I going to use that data? How am I going to, what's my CRM strategy? How am I going to keep this going? Because some of them will, and they will continue with this trajectory and some won't. And they will think that this is just going to naturally happen now. We've got a new world or, you know, a new order going on. So I think that that we're we're going to, that's what we're also going to see. Um, And I also do think that there is, and why one of my, you know, I've got four missions. One, build a business doing what you love. And that's what I'm going to champion and help do. Two, help people understand that voting with their money for a kind of world that they want to live in. So there's a big consumer piece that I am doing and I will continue to do. As I said, I've got another 40, 50 years of this. 
Three is to help empower more women to build businesses. Um, you know, it's incredible to think that they started a business at the rate of men. We'd have 250 billion pumped into our economy in four years. And four is I need to get into schools and start teaching them what entrepreneurship is and finding their soul and what is a diamond inside of you because no one is telling these kids anything and when you look at generation alpha that's all they're going to be dealing with and we're not setting them up for success so when i then look at the fact that you know um these businesses um you know, that it's the it's the double side isn't it we need consumers to be educated we need them to think before they click on the a word right we need to just even if it's not i don't ask everyone to change overnight what if you did 50 50 you know every time you go to click on the a word you actually said every other time i'm going to tell myself to go and find my pet's chewies on an independent shop right i'm going to go and find the you know whatever the book that i can't be i'm just literally always going to buy my books from um bookshop.org which has just started up you know it's a real mind a shift and so that's why i'm slightly working in balance you know helping people to build a business but also saying to consumers do you really want no butcher on your high street ever do you really want there never to be someone that you know by name on your high street um and so it's 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 going to take some time but yeah so i would say it's the responsibility of small businesses to mine this wonderful bubble that we're in um and also for the consumers to start being a bit um you know critical and and start to be a bit more disciplined so something you said there and i know something that a lot of our listeners and a lot of creatives struggle with is the word data I think a lot of our listeners are kind of creative and they're like, I don't want to get into data because it's this mathsy, mm-hmm. techie thing that I'm just not interested in. How important is data and how do you actually collect data on your clients or on your business? Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing. If you knew yourself, like we we, we, do, we do this assumption, don't we? I, I normally talk about it when, when um, the amount of women over the last, last 20 years, I've been told... Oh, my husband does the books. My husband does the spreadsheet. Um, I'm the creative. You know, I don't do um, the numbers. I don't. I'm just like, what is this? What is this? Do you know yourself that you can't do it? Were you literally, um, you know, what did you get in your GCSE maths? Well, I got a B or I got a C. Right. So can you add one and one? Yes. Right. So you can do it. We're not talking about NASA here. You, you sell baby grows, right? And you, you've got that many sales and you sell amazing baby grows. Why can't you do the math? And I think it's about not sitting on this sort of imposter syndrome fence with no solution or this, I can't do this because I'm creative crap. It's actually saying out loud, and I don't think anyone really does say this. It's like, why are you talking like that? Why don't we deal with this, the problem, not just sort of bury our heads in the sand and get our husbands to do this or what is data i mean data is just a list of people's names if you had an address book that's data you know that's all it is and you know that person you send a card to at christmas that's four times i've sent that card to that person at christmas and only two times there well that's data you know that's all it is and again it's about I think so much of what's been done, which is terrible for business, is this dark art. Why is data, you know, for a small business, they are not mining data to the level of Google. 
I mean, what it, they are literally pulling the right numbers for their business. You can get, um, you can go and hire, for instance, an accountant. You know, it's what I recommend to small businesses who go, I can't do the numbers. I go, okay, hire the accountant, sit them down with a blank Excel spreadsheet and literally ask them sell by sell to build a P&L, you know, and let's, why don't you learn it? Like, like you learn, you know, anything, you know, when I started Instagram four or five years ago, I'd never written a post ever. I'm dyslexic and I've been told always throughout my entire career, I couldn't write. And so I was scared to write and I wrote my first post. But actually what I did do is I went and bought loads of books um, for probably 10 year olds about grammar, about spelling. And I did them and I got my son to check them. And every night I did my homework and I, I then got his English teacher. I mean, how gutting for Harry, <laughs> but I got his English teacher to check my work and say, can I possibly ever put this out? You know, and it was, do you know what I mean? You get back to basics and that's what you can do with data. You can find people to literally help you and take you through step fisher, you know, really basics step by step. And every time you sort of win something, you know, you, you get a little stronger, you work that muscle. So that is my thoughts, you know, get back to understanding where to put a full stop in a capital letter. And don't be so proud that you shouldn't do that. That's so interesting. I think so much on this show, we talk about the people who don't see themselves as creative and say, I'm not creative. And our answer to that is always, you are creative, you just haven't tried it or gone into that world yet. So I suppose it's just looking back at the, seeing the other side of it, of the people who don't see themselves creative currently who do the things that are the datary mathsy things that we don't want to do and think actually we could do those too if we just yeah as you said there learned it works the other way around doesn't yeah. it and that's why i think there's a powerful mix when you find that accountant or you find that person who can help you with data and build your um your strategies and things like that they start to sort of see themselves in a different way, you know, and what comes from that connection. Um, and, and, and that's, yeah, that's been fascinating to watch sometimes those people who just think they're in a box um, rediscover themselves. Um, and it's been brilliant. I interviewed uh, Sir Tim Smith, uh, the founder of the Eden Project, and he said that all of his employees at a certain point were over 50, had all had corporate lives, had all had the box that they sat in, and he just said, my God, when I let them out, when I gave <laughs> them that creative freedom, he watched genius spark, you know, and it was so fascinating to hear that. Yeah, I mean, for us, when when we first um, started our business and we were told left, right and centre that no one would pay for graffiti art, no one would pay for murals and, and paintings on walls. And it was a ridiculous idea. And and I, I suppose there's there's certain businesses that if you, you 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 will be hearing that negative from the outside that are saying and a lot of times it's actually from love of like we don't want you to make this huge yeah. mistake my mum thought I would never be a professional graffiti artist she did not think that that was a job that existed because it wasn't um but we I suppose we just have to hold on to those um if we if we have an idea that we are so sure you've just got to see where that takes you and maybe it'll work maybe it'll won't but it's it's the journey and the discovery that um that is the exciting thing. And and yeah, and if it does turn out, then it can be so amazing. But do you not also feel it was your vibration of energy on the universe 
with your idea that there was no choice in it not working. You made it. So so when you say it wouldn't work, it was an impossibility. It wouldn't work. Do you see what I mean? Like when you put enough energy and force and vision and you see the future, um, why would it not work? I mean, you'll you'll adjust and say, oh, God, that was crap. I, I, I've got to do it different. But I'm talking about the proper vision. How does it not work? And and that's what I find it. You create your future. So so in a way, if you believe that, which I believe in every ounce of me, that's why I know that Holly and Co will be successful because I I know it and you knew it. Do you see what I mean? So your mum couldn't see it, but you knew it. So you almost, it's like you almost make it out of thin air. That's why they can't see it because right now it's a vision. Um, but I, I do believe for us, it's almost like, it, it's still a vision, but it's also a certainty. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. We see things that other people don't. I think our challenge is to be able to allow other people to see that vision too. Once we've got it, then what we have to do is be able to explain that vision to spread that's that message. That's our job. And that's how things really start to change. Yeah, that's the empathy on who your audience is and the storytelling at them, you know, specifically adjusting, moving, chameleon and like in nature. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got to tell them the vision so that they can hear it, not just what your truth is. There's something very addictive about um, starting a business and um, we've sort of started several over the years and, and like when you go back to that square one and just through oh, yeah. through having this conversation, I'm just like so fired up and excited. <laughs> I like want to go and start something new. It's like, it's, um, you're so inspiring and, um, and just oh, so good at, at like at setting that fire under people. So I think people will get um, so much from this That's interview. That's my happy place. That is, that is, it, you know, watching people have that spark, you know, that for me is Christmas every day. That, that is what I, that's what I feel like I was put on this planet to do. And it's my honor to be able to do it because ultimately I don't then to go and do the hard work. Mine thing is to keep, you know, fanning the flames, you know, I, I, I maybe build the spark and then I just fan the flames. And actually it's the work of, of the businesses to do what they do. But as you said, it is addictive, isn't it? That moment. Of, it is, yeah. It's, 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 it's like falling in love and giving birth all at the same time. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously a bunch of different ways that um, people can get involved with Holly and Co and everything that you're you're doing. So could you yes. just share with the listeners the best route to go about yeah. getting involved? Uh, thank you for asking that. We, we, we um, as I said, started Campaign Shop Independent. Um, you can find everything at holly.co. Um, it's all on the website. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Holly Tucker, um, where I write three or four times a day. It's what I do at 5.30 every single morning. Um, I write every single post. It is my, uh, it is my absolute happiest, happiest place. Um, and I try and help bring this community together, number one, but also that we can do something incredible um, with the future. So joining um, the campaign, um, following the hashtag campaign shop independent, voting for the awards that launched today, um, you know, vote for your small business. We have 120 nominees, um, seven of those people 
will be awarded £10,000. Um, and I just really hope we can back them by voting um, and sort of exploding this sort of movement. Um, I, th I feel like it's really needed and it will help, as you said, David, where we're not just, you know, get a puppy for Christmas type, you know, scenario. It's about supporting small businesses 365 days a year. Um, and that's what we're doing. We make a big push at Christmas time and these awards are going to be fantastic and the campaign is amazing. But I do this every single day of my life. And so that's where you can follow it at Holly Tucker on Instagram. So inspiring. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. That was just such a great way to start the day. You've got me fired Whoa. up. I better not start any more small businesses though. I think the team will absolutely <laughs> kill me. I've, I've already worked them to the bone to do this whole thing. So yes, but thank you very much.